Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. I am Rory McNamara. He is Chris Lacey. Good day. He is Adam Joyce. Hey, hey. And that is the time machine. But we will not be clambering in that today. Or at least we will, but we'll be setting the controls for the heart of August 2018. For this very special show to commemorate our fifth anniversary of retro wrestling goodness, we will be revisiting one of the very first shows which Bob, when he embarked on this process 60 long months ago, took a look at with Craig and Colin. And that was WCW Clash of the Champions 24. And we will be giving that the full live watch treatment. So if you have your network machine, everybody fire that one up. Find Clash of the Champions 24 in your vault section. We are currently all on pause and we are five seconds in. So we've got a black and white shot of Sting on the left-hand side. And we've got Sting and Flair in sticker form on the right-hand side. So I'll give you all a few seconds to catch up with that one. What we're going to do, as a bit of a treat for you of our fifth birthday. We're just going to talk through this show analyze some of the matches we won't give you complete play by play but we'll be watching them fairly closely i expect a couple of fun tangents as we go along and it's all going to be a light-hearted look at an old wcw show which isn't going to be bound by the constraints of time machine mode so we can talk about anything here really maybe even revisit SummerSlam 2018 if we get onto it which took place two days ago as you record but everyone fire up your machines watch along with us and above all just have some fun so five seconds in I should count us all in on when I hit three. Hit your play button. So one, two, three. And turn down your volume. <laughs> as I turn my sound down. I told you it was on the laptop. There we go. So, <laughs> as you've probably heard as I fire up the fire up the closed captions, there's Vader looking menacing and there's Bulldog for his rematch from Slamboree 1993. That's going to be our main event for the evening. There is one other notable thing which occurs on this show. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you already know what it is, but um, uh, <laughs> it doesn't it's shocking. It is, it is masterfully shocking, you might say. Yes, I know we've been doing this show for a week. Masterfully it shocking. Oh, look at that skullet. Yeah, that's a beauty, isn't it? Doing my Who, normal. Whoever decided that was a good look, I have no idea, but Jesse, he committed to it. I love Jesse. Yeah, I'm, not really, I'm not the sort of person to tell Jesse the body venture he looked stupid. Um, you know, I, I figure Jesse's one of those guys you can know, just get away with it. Kind of like Harley Race. You just go with it, don't you? You really do just go with it. Speaking of doing people up for good, here's Brian Pillman looking very injured indeed because he was very injured indeed. He can't actually defend the tag team titles tonight with Steve Austin. So they're going to rope in Stephen Regal, who had nothing to do with it. Of course, what they could have done is not transfer the titles to Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. But vignettes were shot with Anderson and Roma as the, as the champions probably about five years before this. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of remember watching all this for Super Bowls and just like, this is what happens when you film shitloads of TV in advance. In slight fairness to them, they were originally going to do the title switch. I think it was Beach Blast 93. But then they got cold feet and worked the smarks, yes, all 16 of them at this point, and decided to hold it off to the TV show instead. But Pillman got injured. But though this is a great period of time because Regal's awesome. Yeah, anyone that doesn't like watching Regal love people about is dead inside. As substitutes go, substitutes go, he's a pretty decent one. I will 
surely capable worries. They did it to work the smarts, really, because a lot of smarts, maybe not so much them, but now would be a real would realize that uh, Regal and Austin are actually quite tight, especially from being around WCW in this era. Yeah. Um, so it, if if you ignore, you know. The on-screen continuity it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Oh, certainly a hell of a, but still it makes more sense than having Paul Romer as a fucking horseman. <laughs> now there's a segue. Especially at this point when the four horsemen is actually only three of them, and Flair can't wrestle yet because he's still under his embargo. I mean, Paul so, Romer was a horseman. I mean, come the fuck on. <laughs> I don't know who's worse, him or Mongo. No, I'm, I'm going to say something here about the um, the no compete clause that Flair uh, Flair signed from the WWE. I'm not say, saying that Vince's no complete compete clauses um, don't carry any weight, but Brock Lesnar certainly found no issues getting around it. Uh, but technically, he wasn't wrestling. He, uh, no, he was an American company, he, so he got away with it because he went to all New Japan. Well, actually, from what I've heard from legal representatives who have read WWE contracts, they don't, they currently don't hold a lot of legal weight. So when Lesnar actually challenged it, they that's why there was not a lot of news covering what actually came out afterwards because they were like, we don't really have anything to go on here. He may have us, which is because also his no compete clause included the UFC. Mm. That certainly didn't stop him. No. <laughs> but, oh, Paul Roma, get off my screen. He still believes it's this day, you know, Paul Roma. He, he, he won't listen otherwise, you know. He still actually believes that he was fully deserved of being. And I have more issues with Flair than a lot of people, but whenever I hear Roma badmouth him, I'm like, really? You know, really? Oh. I don't think Roma's actually a bad talent. It's just there the, the horseman is supposed to be the elite, which as good as Roma was, he, he was never any in any hope of that. It just doesn't work he, in K Fave, does it? No. Did he even even see Mongo him? you can kind of explain away, but Roma, I just don't see it. Now a judge of character mm. like Arn Anderson, what would he see in Paul Roma? Yeah. Did anyone see the uh, Horseman DVD they released about 10 years ago? But, oh, it was 2006 they released a DVD and actually Paul Romer is on there talking about it. And you know, I've not seen that, no. Basically, Paul Romer's like, oh, yeah, everyone says Flair's amazing. And, you know, but it does, you don't need to be amazing to spend uh, all your evenings at a bar with your pants around your ankles. Which, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not the exact quote, but it's. Paraphrase pretty closely, but you actually, I can well believe it. But apparently, um, the producers of the actually did were actually just sort of saying, Oh, well, you know, the, the horseman was saying this about you, and that just his response to what the producer told him saying about him. It all makes all too much sense. Mm. Thankfully, he's not well, in the I ring mean, at the moment. I mean, you know. Early two thousand WWE DVDs. No, that they never did anything controversial. Just, just ask um, the estate of the late Jim Helwig. Ah, the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. We should do that one day. So uh, you um, know, she won't find that on the network. I've got that on DVD somewhere. We'd have to fire that one up collectively. Yeah, I've got the DVD somewhere. I, I, 
I may have borrowed it off of um, the internet so shortly after it came out so I have no physical copy of it because I was like well why why would anyone if I pay for this where's my money going is it going to the ultimate warrior or is it going to Vince you know and Nick do I, do I want either of them to get my money for this? Well, I bought it for four quid in entertainment exchange, and I think about 2009. Yeah. <laughs> so I was probably on fairly safe ground with that one. So I remember picking mine up in London where I went to a gig because it was in the massive uh, Virgin Megastore at the time. That's how long ago it was because it was a Virgin. They haven't been about for a while. Nah, Virgin closed around two th- 2007. Zabby lasted for about two days. <laughs> about a year and a half, I think. <laughs> it felt like two days. Austin on the outside here after a very nice couple of minutes of exchanges with Anderson. I'd like to think in the vault somewhere there's a match between those two. Mm. I'd like to think they would have got it on on a pro or something like that. Did they? Have I got vague memories of one of the, in fact, one of the Saturday nights that's now on the network. Um, they got. Pretty much the whole run from April 92 up to the end of that year. Is there a match between them on that roundabout? The... I think there uh, is. Rest, of Wrestle War 92? I think so, because at this now. point, they were sort of doing these sort of half a tag versus half a tag match on Worldwide and stuff. So more than likely, there is a match between them on there somewhere. Regal B. Anderson now, they've definitely had a match. <clears throat> At Super Bowl Four, lasted nearly half an hour as well. A match like that just would not get over these days, but it remains one of my sleeper hits, I must say. If you do have a spare half hour and you're attuned to that style, highly recommend checking that one out. Well, that's like um, the match that got Regal signed to Vince back in 2000, the Brian Phil Memorial. You watch that, and it's like, well, this he was struggling to get over with the crowd for like the first half of the match, but suddenly, but you know, after that. But because of what they were doing in that first half of the match, the crowd was like, eh, it's not that great. And then, But as they were sort of building and building and building on it, it was, suddenly, it was drawing the crowd in more and more, and suddenly they had them by the hook. It's just, but yeah, that, that sort of sense of mastery just doesn't seem to be uh, as prevalent as it did even 15 years ago. I don't think even now, what with NXT and the boy Hunter having all these supposed indie contacts... Would a wrestler like Regal, would it even make it past a brief NXT call-up these days? I, I, well, I'd like to say otherwise, but... If you if you look, sort of, you say that, look at Trent and uh, Tyler. Yeah, do they really work what you would call the classic British style, though? I'm mm. not sure, as much as I like them, I'm, I'm not sure I'd go that far. Mm, uh, so I suppose they're a little bit more sort of high impact than the yeah. old world, complete world of sport. Uh, the, the, the old world of sport. We're not doing the new world of sport as a watch along here, by the way. ITV, 5pm think... p- if you're interested, which I'm not on Saturdays. I went to two of the tapings because they were free and it wasn't for me. <laughs> uh, watched the first one so far. It was the fact that even Will was bored and he's seven. Oh, this is the age. If, if, if he ain't going to click down the age of seven. Well, no, he's spoiled because he watches New Japan and NXT. <laughs> so, just imagine a seven-year... I mean, I would, you know, in 1989, I was seven. The idea of watching New Japan then. 
Oh my goodness me. Kids these days, they don't know they're born, do they? Get off my lawn. As <laughs> you know, as me showing you matches with like the great mooter and things like that and going, now this is how we watch wrestling. I do spoil him. He's He's learning from the best. Sunset flip by Roma here. Oh, if I was always competent. <laughs> So going so back to what you're saying, you go. Yeah, go on, mate. of someone who's old school enough, made famous by the, the only person I can think of that does a world of sports style in a way would be Zach. Beautiful gut wrench there. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But see, that works on TV, but it doesn't work in a in a live action. I don't think because you don't see all the. The intricacies of him it's going all, between holds. It's all about the nuances, isn't it? Now, I think it's fair to say, I think Regal's got a handful in WCW. What's his best WWF, WWE match? Ooh. It was very rarely in there with somebody who could really adapt to that style. I think all his best work when you think of Regal in WWE is what his commissioner runs. Yeah. There was oh, there's a good is. match if you of him versus Brian on a Superstars taping they did over here. Um, oh, yes. Which is famously yes. known for the fact that they start playing the man's man music as he's coming down at the yes. ring. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and there's, there's... there's some brilliant legal matches on Velocity, him against against Benoit. It's just them just, you know, you'll probably struggle to find them for the for two reasons. One, it's Velocity, two, it's Benoit. But uh-huh. it. But yeah, it's just them doing what they do best, and they're obviously because it's because of who they are. They adapt really well to the other. You know, there's like this brilliant spot I remember from one of them, where um, I think it's Benoit goes for like a, a drop kick. He sort of goes to do a baseball slide on Regal on the outside. Regal just sort of dodges, pulls him out, and suplexes him on the floor. Mm. Oh, another good one is when Regal wins the King of the Ring, him and Punk. That yeah, final that's a, match. That's a cool match, yeah. That's a cool match, yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those of they're there and they're normally from TV. They're never sort of really pay-per-view matches. I mean, that that's where Regal gets missed because he doesn't get the big pay-per-view match. Yeah. Probably wouldn't go over the right way. Which is a shame. The great one has been added on the hidden gems. I think it's from, I want to say it's from FCW, where he's working face against Dean Ambrose from about 2012. Ooh. And he plays a face role like an absolute god in that one. Just gets busted open and just won't back down. And Ambrose is a cold, calculating heel, which I hope we get to see in the Fed again before too long. So, so that's, on, fair, that's on the network of hidden gems. Check it out. I haven't done a hidden gems check recently in a oh, while. Every Thursday, they add new stuff there. It's quite the treasure trove. Oh, God damn it. It's one of those of, I don't know what I'd do without the network these days. Certainly yeah, makes our life easier. I've been network in about six months. I sort of got the bill today. I was like, oh, I forgot that. I forgot about that. Well, my uh, network has, has decided to jump ahead because it's now showing me Max Payne and Mark Mero. Well, I can see why I would want to. I'm still on the main match here. We're on 14 16. 
There we go. I closed it and started back up again. We're back to Anderson and Austin. I'm pleased to say Irish whip at 14.25. Back body drop wrong company. <laughs> Anderson is a house of fire in there. That sounds weird saying that, doesn't it? <laughs> he is. Are you back with us, Lacey? 40.37. Regal in with a big punch to the back of Anderson. Oh, what a great sell on that one. I think he caught in there. All right, Ryan, we're all right with your corn-cutting Sid front. But I think we're heading to the finish here now, you know, because somebody is up on the apron, and this is 1993 WCW. Ah, <laughs> uh, so William. Austin eats the crutch. Roll up by Anderson. We know where this one's going. And there you are. Well, the crowd certainly like that one. New tag team champions to kick us off. The Horseman. <laughs> yeah. Say, tell, was it say hello oh, often oh, enough? Oh. You'll believe it. <laughs> yeah, someone, someone does. Don't know, don't know who they are, but it's a weird time in WCW at this point, though, because you've got they're in between the booking committees and Jim Hurd and people that don't like the Horsemen, don't like Ric Flair, yet they're quite happy to push the Horsemen and give them the tag belts. Well, anytime Arn Anderson wins any belt, I'm more than happy with that. Into Bill right. Dundee, there's the roll up. Who was the booker at this time? Just so I can get... Right, okay. I believe Dusty was still booking at this point. Bischoff is He's executive there. producer, but as he regularly tells us on 83 weeks, he was not involved in creative. Or rather, he tells us that whenever it's anything bad. If it's anything good, somehow, magically, he was involved in it. <laughs> so I think at this point, it's and there still he is. Jim Hurd as... Head. I thought Jim Hood was fired after the uh, Black Scorpion incident. Oh, Jim Hood had long gone by this point. Yeah. Oh, o o Ole Anderson was fired as Booker over the Black Scorpion incident. I know Ole's still about here because he does the voice. <laughs> Chris, don't be giving it away now. <laughs> <laughs> don't let light in on magic. And his Roma trying to cut a promo and there's Arn thinking... Yeah, yeah. Thanks, boys. Look, look at that side eye right there. <laughs> that, that's a look of. Um, so, how short did? How short was your offer to Tully? <laughs> <laughs> nice little um, uh, nice little comment from Arne. They tried to pull the big swerve on us tonight. So I don't know who was doing these closed captions. And who adapt? Hello? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, as I say, I don't think they're they're the best when they uh, come up. I think you'll find they were done by an independent company, and it does show a lot of the time. Gary Chael Capetta, who's going to talk to us for this next match. So there we are. So match number two of Clash of the Champions, which I should say did a 3.8 rating, if I haven't mentioned that already. So it's pretty damn hefty. Hey, it's the boy Bobby. So Oli and Dusty were... In charge of creative at this point. There we go. Good find, Lacey. The uh, joys of quick searching. What we are about to see in a few minutes' time could only have come from the hand of Dusty Baby. <laughs> Though, I'm, I know, it's not really sort of going out on a massive limb, but Bob Yeaton is probably one of the most underrated guys Yeah, I agree. in it's the history of wrestling. Yeah, bloody right. Go on, mate. He's whoever you put them in with, he could manage a, ma a great match with. 
And just him when he turns the blue buds with Regal oh, is worthy of a Hall of Ring theme. Straight away. Should be Hall of Fame just for that. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love that whole thing. Eaton plays his role as a straight man perfectly in that whole shebang. When Regal says that, you know, don't mention Fergie or whatever. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Thoughts on Bobby Eaton? What you might have seen of him in the past, Adam? I think I've actually seen him in that much. And obviously, I've heard so much about him. How he's just one of those guys who's just so natural. Um, looking at Scorpio, thinking, God, how much weight he gained in five years, considering the last time I saw him was when we did the show the other day. Yes. As far as our timeline is concerned, I think it's pretty much done for done for Scorpio now. We've got he's in the job squad from next month onwards, I want to say, September 98. Yeah, I think, I think he, he disappears again up. not long after that. I think he turns up back again in ECW for a little bit just before the end. Right. But, yeah, it's pretty much independence only from there on out for Too Cold. Oh, you're not calling Heroes of Wrestling an independent promotion, are you? Right, they only did one show, but it was on pay-per-view. <laughs> well, you know, if, if enough people take a shit in a in a bog, they could put that on pay-per-view. It doesn't mean it's a full independent, full fucking company. On the topic of Heroes of Wrestling, we're not a million miles away from it in our timeline. October 1999. Just, thought, that, I'd, just thought I'd mention it. Well, so you, you're doing a special on it, are you? That might be an actual in-timeline show. Yeah, I'm not watching it. <laughs> got, a, got, a, got a while to prepare yourself yet, Chris. <laughs> I don't need to see that, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, so I know we were talking well, about Scott Hall. The match was so bad. Wrestle crap. Just ignored it existed. It was like, you know, at the end, of, if you read their review for the Heroes of Wrestling, they miss out one match. And it's sort of, on a future induction, they said, yeah, we missed this match off because it was too bad for us to have to sit through. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a good indication of your show. Probably not the last time we'll be mentioning Russell Crap tonight either. Oh. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Spoiler alerts. Is that, who's that in there? Is that Kim Wilde in the front row? Obviously it isn't. It looks a lot less like, like, like Yarn and the Votner, actually. You'll notice that crowd watching lookalikes is something I do a lot of. Some of them even look vaguely like the person I'm comparing them to. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely Tom Morello in Raw yesterday, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> it really wasn't, but you, you, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the thing that I get. So you got Scorpio, who here in WCW at this point in time is three or four years ahead of the curve. Yes. Because I know he's a bit he's a bit too big to be cruiserweight. He does wrestle a cruiserweight style. Obviously, we know his stellar work in ECW. How is it that the Fed fucked him up so much and did got it go, wrong? Did he come along maybe? He came along in 90... Well, obviously, the Flash Funk gimmick was DOA. Kind of he came along over a year too late or a year too early. But late 96... He felt like a bit of a fish out of water. So the gimmick did not help. Mm. It's weird because 96 was, you know, they weren't exactly, you know, overflowing with talent. I mean, in fairness, I don't think in the timeline we've, I mean, we've got another year before they really start sort of hitting the mark with the talent. Because that wasn't until Jericho came in that the Fed really could compete talent-wise with, with any of the other promotions, in my opinion. 
No, I totally agree. I've got a lot of weak work rate coming my way for the next year every time I step in on the Fed. They're watching all the August 98 stuff for SummerSlam show, which as we record this, we're going to be taping this coming Sunday. Storyline stuff is completely on point, but it ain't no work rate feast. There's not help with, with shit like the Brawl for All, though, killing the business. Oh, I've got so much to say about the Brawl for All. None of it good. Is it finished yet? It has finished. They got rid of it before SummerSlam, I'm pleased mm-hmm. to say. Bart Gunn has knocked out Bradshaw in 40 seconds. I think it says a lot of how highly they thought of it, the fact they didn't put it on pay-per-view. But then again, saying that, they then put it on WrestleMania. You know. Yeah, but I think it was just because they had to put an end to it. because They had to punish Bart Gunn for winning. Yeah. Because that's what the Federation do. Hmm. It's not even like he got over on his own, like, I don't know, say Ryder or whoever. Where is Bart Gunn now? But he did actually do all right in Japan for a while because, you know, he's the guy who knocked the fuck out of Dr. Death. Yeah, that's the boy. He's always a good character to play on the Japanese version of WCW NWO World Tour. Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, I think it was called. Look at that elbow drop from Eaton. Underrated on offense. Look at that. Underrated pretty much everything. See, I I think if you'd have put him in the Fed at this point in time, matches that him and Owen and him and Brett could have had. Bobby Eaton? Yeah. Eaton, Eaton <sighs> versus Owen, Eaton versus Brett. Hakushi would have been about sort of a couple of years later, but Sean, Sean bumping for Eaton. Oh, they got that finish wrong. 450, knee, knee flush on the face. Even the commentators called that one. Yeah, somebody was a bit out of position there. Actually, they, there was, they did try and bring the Midnights into uh, the Fed back, and I think in, back during the expansion years. But the, the Midnights just couldn't get their head around the fact that Vince only wanted to talk about action figures. Now, like, well, why would people want to buy, you know, action figures of us if we're playing, you know, main event tag heels but of course. Uh, ever ever pt barnum himself isn't he and there's a replay no, oh yeah when uh, brian epstein sold the rights to the to the beatles merchandising for 100 quid it's like yeah who wants who'd want a beatles lunchbox <laughs> <laughs> and the, the money that there is now <laughs> oh johnny be bad this was one of those of I remember what because obviously WCW used to be on ITV at silly o'clock in the morning on a weekend thinking that I liked Johnny B. Bad then when he turned up as Mark Mero I realised how shit he really was you have to be Johnny B. Bad very well the trouble is he couldn't be Johnny B. Bad anywhere else except for the small stint in TNA he had that well it was early 2000s TNA so no one was paying attention I was going to say, I didn't even know he was there. Yeah. Um, I remember he was on the uh, dark match on the show that Candido broke, broke his leg, um, which oh, means bloody. he had a cage match in TNA that, just, that no one remembers. In but yeah, he remember three or four months as Johnny B. Bad, but it's just 
but one it's it was such a 90s gimmick it's like well that's never gonna get over and two you're sort of looking thinking hang on a minute how's he getting away with this and the fact he disappeared very quickly was like chances are he probably didn't mm. and just so you know this was very much dusty coming up with that can somebody please tell me when little richard ever recorded johnny be good it's a chuck berry song <laughs> But that's just semantics. <laughs> that's why I'm here. What the fuck is he wearing? He's a zebra. Of course he's a zebra. Why would he not be a zebra? What in the name of bloody hell? Well, he could be a zebra, or if he's going over to compete in Japan, he could just be a donkey painted like a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Max. Hit those elbows, boy. Here we go. Though I will say, I do love the fact that Max Payne comes is hailed from a state of euphoria. Oh, the state of euphoria, which is even better. It's fantastic. You know, you just don't get that anymore. Exist. The literal translation of euphoria is um, no, that's utopia. Yeah, never mind. I'm... <laughs> Wordsmithery with the wrestling twenty years ago podcast crew. Everybody, it's why you all tune in. <laughs> I don't think those punches have much effect on that gut, really, uh, Mark. And one thing that Johnny B. Bad did give Mark Mero is the acronym of his spoken word tour that he now does, because Bad apparently stands for Be Against Destructive Decisions. So there you are. What? Sable. No, no. Oh, that's not where I was going to go. I was going to go um, putting a load of poison in your face to make you appear younger. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Botox. This is uh, he's one of those. If it's surprising that he hasn't turned up somewhere along the lines, he's wearing another mask just in case the first one gets taken off. Of course, why Pre- wouldn't you? Clever man. Okay, that's a nice head scissors. Max mm-hmm. that well. Oh, well I mean, Max is now Mad Mountain Rock. Just the stuff between the spots he couldn't do, which is. If you ever ask a proper wrestler, it's, that's what wrestling is. It's what you do between the spots. Yep. The moves only, let's face it, the moves only take up about 30 seconds of any match. And Mero didn't really have a whole lot of that, even though his moveset was always quite impressive. Crowd don't really seem to be into this one. I have got my sound mm-hmm. down, but I might as well not have. Because they're fighting over a... <sighs> the guitar versus the mask. Yeah, see... It's just, it's just, just, just mid card or not, there's just no investment in an angle like that. But it's that whole sort of thing of you know how they what the attitude era does properly is everyone has a reason and a feud. This was how not to do it in the early nineties. Let's just have a feud because someone wants a guitar or take someone's mask off of a guy who we've all seen his face. And the match has ended off a miss splash. Okay, that's how much stock was put behind this match, everybody. Well, he, he seemed to get the reaction from the crowd. So some no, of them were jumping up and down. I'll, I'll give them that. And of course, this is live TV. This is not a Disney taping, so there are no cheer or boo signs. I've got to give them that. And there's um, the... and a very nice ESP. I wonder if he still got it. 
you you know if this had happened nowadays, boom, be on it, be on eBay within like a day. <laughs> We're still actually not a million miles away from eBay at this point. I think eBay started around about ninety six. I want to say in some form. Yeah. I want to say that eBay pre- eBay predates the internet almost. <laughs> well, technically, the internet was made in the seventies. It's yes. just the World Wide Web that came around in the early nineties. Yep. 89, I think the World Wide Web was. I want The internet was still very much a thing here. Pro.wrestling.rec was knocking around in 93. Mm. Okay, I believe we have a segment now called Flair for the Gold. This is all that Ric Flair could do. And Fifi, the maid, is uh, the next Miss Flair. <laughs> the, the, the next Miss Flair. <laughs> In re- in real life, he is marrying her because <laughs> you know he doesn't have enough alimony payments. <laughs> Depending on when you listen to the show, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> oh, I I love this whole nineties game show feel they've got to the whole thing. Look at that! Set. It gave Flair something to do while his no complete clause was worked down. But um, who's the who's the year eight art student who painted the flats on the back of that wall? And there is Fifi. There we go. God, look at that. Just yumming it up, man. God. It's one of those, if I wouldn't put it past Flair that he was hitting that back then. <laughs> do, do, do you reckon? <laughs> so, you know, why it's taken him this long to marry it? <laughs> well, Flair is not of sound mind at the moment, let's be honest. Yeah, there is that. It's been a while since he has been a sound mind. <laughs> yeah, Ric Flair and sound mind, there's a sliding scale there, isn't there? Now, I saw mm. him on the latest, well, a table for three a couple of weeks ago with Angle and Sting. <laughs> he was hanging in there, let's say that. Let's, let's be kind. Though, has to be said, the uh, table for three with Bischoff and... Uh, Brother Love and JBL is quite funny because Bischoff is uh, had one too many of the sources. Yes, he talks about that on eighty three weeks as well. I listen to that every week, and I'm still not entirely sure why. <laughs> David getting quite David getting quite the push here, associated with Sting title matches on pay per view and TV. Yeah, it's one of his his last pay per view match drew like eighty thousand to Wembley Stadium. Granted. You know, that's a territory WCW don't run, but those are some good numbers. Everybody's cooking. The Bulldog is cooking. Sting is cooking. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless you, Davey. He, he wasn't great at the promo, was he? I think mm. I know what he had been cooking shortly before he'd come up on this uh, this particular interview. <laughs> Would it have gone up his nose by any chance? <laughs> More than likely. All right, well, it's cooking time. I love him. I just fucking love him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> made that work slightly better. Uh, and here comes old Tennessee Lee and his. Uh, at this point, are they still slaves, or is, is that is that finished? Yeah, it's kind of roundabout this time, and it should be said that the idea to actually have them in chains, which I don't think ever made the air, was actually Sid's legitimate idea. <laughs> Why am I oh, sort yeah. of surprised it was Sid's idea? I'll cool down when I want to, Sting. I think something's brewing now, or cooking, if you will. 
But as I say, you know, is there, is there a little league season that needs uh, a player? Does Sid, actually, is that, does Sid actually play softball? Or is that just one of those urban myth legends that nobody tries to do? I've never seen it proved. Yeah, I've never seen it disproved either. I was going to say, I've, I've heard rumours that he disappeared out of contracts and stopped, play, or stopped wrestling because it was softball season. Have you seen Sting play? Sting, <laughs> that'd be something. Sid play softball. So I've not seen any history of this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have company. Oh, do we? Howdy, Freddy boy. <laughs> and we actually get the close captioning of everybody talking out of character here. My lord, oh god, he fell on his fucking ass, which he didn't actually really do, but never mind. Sid, bless him. The oh, look, just look, fuck, <laughs> love him. Everyone else trying not to fall about, and Sid just oh. Sid, Sid doesn't break that. character. I adore that man. Okay, you know, right. the, you go on, Adam. You know, they um, obviously they uh rehearsed it during the earlier in the day, apparently. When they put the set back together, someone put a board across the bottom. That's what he tripped over. Yep. And that is why you can hear somebody, I think it is Sid, before he switches back into character, saying, I told you. Because prescient fellow he is, he knew it was going to happen. Okay, then, Chris, I'll come to you on, on here first while Ole Anderson in his black scorpion voice is giving himself something to do. <laughs> Just look at him. Just fucking look at him. Okay. It's still the same Stormtrooper helmet. It's still Ole Anderson doing the voice. He's still called the Shockmaster. He's still just Fred freaking Ottman. But he doesn't fall through the wall. Is what we've just seen as fondly remembered? No. I think if, if he doesn't fall on his fucking ass, it's one of those moments you look at and go, isn't wrestling stupid? But it's not remembered as a massive comedy skit. Adam? It, it doesn't get over. But it's just one of those things that if you didn't see it, you weren't going to go back and watch it. No, the gimmick sort of fades away after a couple of months. Yeah. It, it actually becomes... A, he is just a builder by the next pay-per-view. Yeah, that's mm. the thing that gets me. They just kill it dead and sort of just put him in a hard hat and it's like so you've gone from him being this this stormtrooper fellow to just a guy in a hard hat they couldn't really keep that give the specific gimmick going because even if they wanted to a it's just ludicrous even by 1993 standards and two he made his debut on live tv by falling through a wall even dusty even dusty okay <laughs> you couldn't carry it on from there but if he doesn't fall through the wall does he turn up at full brawl? Stormtrooper and Ole, right? Mr. Bitter himself, getting his live voice onto pay-per-view? Maybe. I think you but can probably call it damage, damage limitation, but uh, somewhat after the fact. So that's, the original plan would be a yes, but let's face it, we've probably got better for it with it being the fuck up. Would we be watching this show on a live watch 25 years on if he stayed on his feet? Somehow I doubt it. No disrespect to Paul Orndorff going down to the ring right now. I should say the commentary team are just falling about at this point and who can blame them? Yeah, they 
obviously we've, I've watched it with the commentary for Super Bowl, so I just remember it just them just absolutely slating this. They just can't get off the fact of what has happened with the Shockmaster and it's one of those of just go back to watch the rest of the show just for their commentary, just to hear Tony and Jesse just losing it. It's a great, great. line. From, I think it's a great line from Jesse. This match and maybe the next one. You're always guaranteed great entrances here in WCW. They couldn't. They couldn't no sell it, could they? They couldn't. No. And you wouldn't want them to. This match getting the buffer treatment, which I don't remember. Steamboat for against Orndorff for the TV title. Title matches at this point, pretty much any title match got a buffer. Was this Michael Buffer's first appearance? So it's obviously easy to think he came in with Hogan, but at least no, he, he. I think it's about ninety-two is when he first turns up. Because I have to insure him every week at the moment, every single week, screwing up. We're still a few months away from US champion Brett Clark, though. <laughs> That one's going in the open. I think it's February 99. That'll be the first thing you hear on the February 99 WCW show. I guarantee it. Yeah. Adam, thoughts, thoughts on Ricky Steamboat? Where is he in the Pantheon for you? What are you doing? Is he one of the all-time greats just below that level? What do you reckon? I think... Well, I mean, he's, he's definitely an amazing talent. He's He's like... The pinnacle of where you want to be as a white meat baby face. He's believable. He, I mean, his real name is Richard Blood, and he changed it to Ricky Steamboat because he was like, "Well, I'm not going to work with that." So he, one of those guys who definitely got it as when he was starting out, as opposed to others who sort of had to pick it up as they went along. Hogan instantly jumps to mind. Claims he has the no, he claims he has the largest arms in the world. And he's finishes a leg drop. That's <laughs> oh, that makes far too much sense. <laughs> Can you believe I've never really thought about that before? I bought into it, brother. <laughs> well, well, Hogan learned how to sell himself um, very soon. In... Well, it depends. I mean, if you believe Hogan, you know, uh, Elvis Presley was a big fan of his, and he and uh, he <laughs> Three weeks after Hogan debuted, so obviously Hogan made a big impact when he started out. Fucking, <laughs> okay, no, I just floored me that as that's up there with Andre with seven thousand pounds, and he died the next day, brother. Good old Hoganisms. Yeah, we gave no, Hogan a kick in yesterday on the show. To be fair, Hogan does believe everything that he says because he's told that shit so many times. That in his mind it is true because nobody ever tells Hogan no. That's why, yeah. apart from the WWF who WWE who rightly did it three years ago, but now even they have let him back into the fold. Uh. Yeah, but the trouble is Hogan very quickly got to the point where if you told him no, he was just like, "All right then, well I just won't be there." Yeah. So maybe after all, Hulk Hogan is bigger than wrestling, brother. We're talking about him a match of Ricky Steamboat and. Paul Orndor, for goodness sake. Chris, quick, bring it back. Far too much Hogan talk on these podcasts already. Uh, you've, seen, you've seen a lot, especially a lot of Steamboat from this time. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the great man, to give you a leading question? <laughs> the, he is one of those of, he's great, but he could have been better. If 
you know, he he's he's too good of a family man for his own good. Because when he won the IC title in uh, WrestleMania 3, he decided he wanted a lighter schedule, so he could spend time with his newborn child, which then meant he got buried in the Fed. Yes, we get the the classic run of him and Flair matches, sort of 88, 89. Him and Austin, him and Orndorff. There's great matches all over in the WCW run. But the fact of good guy, family guy, and bringing his kid out always sort of grated on me a little bit. And it's one of those, yeah, you're a good guy, but do you have to be that good all the time? Though there is an interesting match at one of the uh, Battle Bowls where uh, Steamboat works heel. Really? And it's surprising to see him work heel. Um, I think it's either Battleball 92 or 93. It's one of the one of those two. Um, and he just works heel in the tag match in it. And it is just classic. It's great. And well worth really? your time watching. What What's in WrestleMania 3 back? He, you look at some of the things that he was doing there and it's like, well, he very easily could have that could have been some great heel mannerisms had the roles been switched. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just, I don't know why, but I'm actually noticing how well Paul Orndorff is doing some sort of amateur stretches there, sort of the way he was pinning Steamboat down, just just to bring it back to what we're actually watching. Um, but yeah, you sort of look at the viciousness to which he was striking Savage. It's a case of, if in the right situation, he could have been a brilliant heel, but he was just so good as a babyface, no one wanted to sort of Take that risk. Contemporary reference alert. It's like trying to turn Becky Lynch heel. You just don't do it. Mm. To put a, a, a date on this program for you. The, another oh. one, though, is quite underrated, is Orndorff. Because, obviously, he was hampered with the Hogan feud early 80s or early mid-80s. Yes, it got him well-known, but it wasn't good match quality. This run in WCW at this time, he actually has a lot of the better matches. Maybe it's because he works guys like Steamboat. Um, there's a few matches he has against uh, Bobby Eaton. So he's in there with people that work well, but he puts on decent matches. He's given as good as he gets in this one. I think part of the problem with Orndorff to bring it back to Steamboat in a way, is that he turned too often in the mid-80s with the Fed. Was only the th- I was going to say it was only like the three turns, I think, but... was a lot for that time. That was a lot for yeah mid- mid-80s WWF, yeah. And he wasn't even on the WrestleMania 3 card. Well, apparently he was like the backup if, if Andre didn't work out. It's a shame that he wasn't on the... I mean, he, he had had that series with Hogan and that Saturday night's main event cage match, which was right at the start of the year. You think he would have earned himself a match with, I don't know, bloody JYD or something. Yes, it well the way they worked out manias back then was slightly different to how it was now. But yeah, it was a shame that he wasn't on there and would have made up for his um travesty of the WrestleMania before. Then again, that whole WrestleMania was a travesty, so 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to do WrestleMania two on these one day, and you're going to be on there for it. Thanks. I should add, that, I should add though that on the network, I am pleased to say that one of Paul Laundorf's gestures towards Mister Fuji has been cut out. Yeah, that, nice. That's nice one of the answer. things I remember about that match the best, though. Funny enough. <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot else to choose from. It has to be said, I haven't watched WrestleMania 2 since WrestleMania, uh, when I did all the WrestleManias going up to WrestleMania 30. Oh, and it, it couldn't have stayed in the memory long because I really can't remember anything about WrestleMania 2 other than the big battle royal with the football players. Well, that means you can watch it again with us then. <laughs> I'm listening all the time, Lacey. <laughs> Doesn't mean I want to watch it. <laughs> You should know as well as anybody, Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, what we want to watch, some distance away from what we do end up watching. Look at that from Rookie. I'm, I'm completely biased about Steamboat. I'm sorry. It was an excellent showing by Orndorff for somebody who wasn't really long for the business at this point. His, his arm troubles. I mean, the, look, his arm is looking seriously a trophy there already, and it would get a lot worse for him. And so he's, he's pulling in this match, but Steamboat is just the mm. master. Like, I haven't seen because the footage just isn't out there. Steamboat's late 70s, early 80s, <laughs> mid-Atlantic style work. If there's anybody listening who can have access to it, then please get in touch. But I actually think, as controversial as it might seem, this run here until he sustains the injury against Austin at the Clash next year might be my all-time favourite Steamboat stuff. Mm. It's just on. Everything he does is just on. Have I ever seen Ricky Steamboat botch anything ever? He's just, just as close to perfection in the ring as you'll ever get. I don't care how fanboyish that sounds. And he never needed to work you, in my opinion. Yeah. And we're going to get the... We are going to get the bridge. All of nearly lost that one and he rolls underneath it for the backside. You don't see that every day. Hmm. Backside yeah. actually won a lot of matches in WCW in this time period. Yep. <laughs> it was it was a it was a staple finisher. I think it actually was somebody's out and out. I think it was, it was Disco Inferno's finisher for a little while or something like that in around ninety-five. Yeah, but in the same vein, Brad Armstrong at one point had to, had a side at Russian leg sweep as a finish and it's going to hang <laughs> the other side, Bret Hart's got a better looking one that's not a finish. Well, it works for Sandman. And with all that talk of WrestleMania 3, there is the WrestleMania 3 finish to give Steamboat the win. You can tell Orndorff wasn't at that event because he would have had that scouted. He wouldn't have tried <laughs> to body slam Ricky. <laughs> to be fair, you know, Savage had just been clubbed in the head by the ring bell. There we are. I think we're the 10 million podcast to try to break down the IC title match at WrestleMania 3. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, damn fine TV match here between two classic pros. You can tell they so, weren't done with Orndorff yet because he's getting his heat back here with a pile driver onto the belt. It has to be said, especially at this period, uh, the clashes are much better than the pay-per-views. <laughs> the stuff on the TV was pretty much sort of decent every single clash, whereas the pay-per-views could get a bit ropey. Another semi-contemporary reference. Does the length of the shows help that, though? I mean, this show Probably. is just over just over 90 minutes. The pay-per-views were twice that, even at this point. Yeah, mm. I suppose the, the two 
the the hour and a half with ads, you're looking at two hours TV time instead of a three hour pay per view. And I think it's the less is more sort of thing that obviously we do suffer with with a six hour SummerSlam that we've just had this past weekend when you think that uh, NXT was two and a half hours. There you go. NXT was the much better show because it was only two and a half hours. Yeah, the longer the show, the better, but the more I've worked, the more it's like, well, five matches just, if it's the right five matches, five matches works. Was I mean, it was 13 matches at SummerSlam this year. That's ridiculous. Chris, we talked about it in timeline this month. How many matches were there as our latest ECW pay per view? The one I always want to call CyberSlam. Six matches. And you gave it a nine, I gave it an eight and a half. Now, it isn't just about quantity. Now, this is entertainment. Quality is more important. And I do wish WWE would realize that. Yes, I know with the network they can do whatever they want whenever they want it. They don't need to worry about pay-per-view cutoff times and all the rest of it. But it is just, it's just an onslaught, if you ask me. Well, the thing is, um, one of my mates went to Mania this year and they got in bef- uh, after the first dark match had been on, or the first kickoff match had been on. And I said that bef- between then and them getting out, was eight and a half hours because it took an hour to get out of the stadium. See that goes that just goes beyond entertainment for me. That's that's one that's one rung down from semi torture. Yeah, it's that sort of thing of it. It's just too much. It's too mm. long. I get it. You know, you've got people that have spent all that money to go over there, but. At what point does it go from having a great experience to being a fuck? Yeah, then, I can understand why people, there are people who are like, oh, maybe if we cut out before the last match, we'll beat the traffic. And it's one of those things, like, oh, yeah, but why would you want to beat the traffic? And you think, oh, not the traffic outside the stadium. It's get the fuck out of there. And to be fair, thankfully, with it being New Orleans this year, then the Superdome being pretty much in the center of town. It didn't take them long to get out into the main sort of bit and be away from the stadium. But yeah, I was really surprised more... when the New Orleans one year how close it actually is. It's because it's just the other side of um, the main Broadway there. But yeah, if you'd been at say the one at the, the MetLife Stadium, where is it in New Orleans or not New Orleans, New Jersey? This for next year. That's in the middle of fucking nowhere. If you takes you an hour to get out, everyone getting in cars and Ubers and that at that time, just an absolute ball ache. So here we've got a three minute awesome awesome Kongs matches or whatever they're called. So there we are. Who did Harley piss off to be done with these two schmoes? <laughs> he says a sting and Ric Flair appear on his screen. I'll time that one well. I feel they could have used Sting and Flair better than a three-minute squash at this point. Apparently, they had a match at WCW Saturday night just a couple of weeks after this. A young David Flair there in attendance. 
Well, that's probably the best appearance David Flair ever had on WCW. I've got some cracking ones to come over the next couple of years. Well, to be fair, the, the stuff he did with Crowbar was actually quite entertaining. Crowbar, Jesus Christ, old Devon Storm. Yeah, just remember, there's a, I've got a DNA match coming my way in about two years' time. Oh, God. <sighs> Try wearing a cap. And this one gets the buffer treatment as well. well it's the main event. Earning his seven, seven grand, whatever it was it was paid. Wow, I, I could do that job for seven grand. Just but again, I've at... done that job for considerably less. So I'm not going to say how much pay upgrade it would be. But <laughs> say, uh, my bank balance would notice it. Adam Joyce, Rack on Tour. Just look at these fucking guys, man. Just look at them. The Colossal Kongs. <laughs> Big Hoss McAllister, one of them used to be called, which is actually a pretty decent name, it must be said. It was a pretty apt name as well. Shitbag 1, Shitbag 2, as I uh, put them. Fucking awful. Well, I, and they turn I'm around and they're here for about six months. So I go again, Adam. I'm going to give. I'm going to be open-minded. Give these guys a chance. They may be brilliant big men for all I know. Yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, then, Adam. Keep your mind open. You've got you've got three minutes. We're going to come back to you straight afterwards. <laughs> God, I, just, seeing, just seeing Flair yuck it up the sting is so weird. Just Dude. pop him, pop him with a punch. Come on. <laughs> See, with Sting though, is like everyone sort of says he should have turned up in the Fed. Obviously, we all you know hoped for that it's sort of bef before he went to TNA, and we could have had that awesome him and Taker thing. But would you have taken Surfer Sting and put him in the Fed? Because I think time, I think around sort of ninety four, ninety five time, he would have fit straight in with the new gen stuff. Well, Hogan wasn't there, so yeah, I agree. Well, the whole point of servicing was he was like this blonde muscle man from Venice Beach, so he was literally their answer to Hogan. Precisely. Except he just didn't have the drawing power when it wasn't against Ric Flair. I think it's the famous quote from Sting where you said that uh, why Vince McMahon didn't want him. It's because Vince McMahon want, would want Sting, but Sting wanted to be Sting. And he just, even then, he just, not that I think Vince was going to give him some ludicrous gift. Well, <laughs> I'm giving Vince too much credit there. But would he, this is a real fantasy rebooking, would he have come in as the surfer in 94? So I, I think if you look at what Vince would have done at that point, because of him needing the big face, I mean, you, you would have taken him as who he was. I mean, you changed the name slightly because you know how Vince likes to have his copyrights all over everything. So he'd have changed the name slightly, I would imagine, but... Stong. <laughs> probably called him Stinger. <laughs> well, he did want to call Vader the Mastodon. Exactly. So he could then get his copyrights on it. This is why he kept calling him the man called Vader. God, Vince, let it go, man. Don't be so freaking bitter. And one more thing while we're here. Controversial view it may be. You know, I run the shack, so I'm going to say it anyway. I really don't get why everybody was so hell-bent on trying to see Sting versus The Undertaker one day. There you go, I've said it. 
it's not a, it's not a natural feud. It's just because Sting wears fucking white and black face paint. That 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 was it though. It's one of those things of um, stylistically, it, it would look brilliant on a poster. I suppose uh, but, so they could face it, each other, but it's as if it's the one it, reason Sting should always join the join the Fed. And I'm like, no, no, no. Well, it's because if you do it at the right time, so you've sort of got to do it post WrestleMania 20. He is, you know, the the standout WCW guy. So basically the same story as what they did when they brought him in against Hunter. But he is, you know, the WCW guy. Undertaker is the WWF character and guy. And as such, you know, it's the ultimate WCW versus the Fed. That story was done, though. He didn't need that story retold. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get to WrestleMania 31 in 17 years. Adam, most importantly of all, the Kongs. Come on. You've had, the, you've had your three minutes. Greatest big man tag team of all time. Tell us why. <laughs> Just on the basis of these 180 yeah. seconds. It's all there, isn't it? I don't know. I was looking for the, the bit just after the bell where he lit, where one of the guys was literally looking at Ric Flair flying off the top rope and didn't move. It's <laughs> yeah, That's not killing it at all. I fucking hate when guys... Oh, one of the promotions I did, we did like some tryouts, and I actually blasted a a guy for for looking straight at someone as they were coming at me. It's like you are you're killing your own heat because you look like an idiot when they fucking hit you. I see a lot oh. of that in the lucha matches in WCW. No, every, every time I watch someone do it, I just cringe because it's a case of you're you're killing your credibility. Tony now talking to Sting and the Nature Boy to promote that match, which is not on the network. Should anybody be listening? Let's get some more Saturday nights up there, please. Uh, which match is that? Uh, it was a Sting Flair match, apparently. Yeah. Not that I really need to see another Sting Flair match in my, my or any other lifetime I have coming forward, but just to complete the set of 5,000. Call me, call me a completist, if you will. Well, you know, the first Clash, the first Nitro, the last Nitro... And about 50 other shows in between. <laughs> one or yeah, two. There was the one where Sting won the title. There was the one where Flair beat Sting to unify the titles when Hogan came in. Yep. Um, that, was, that one was on the Flair D, the first Flair DVD. Which is that like, one is on the Flair Ultimate Collection DVD. Yeah, it's like, out of all the Flair and Sting matches, because at the time, obviously, you weren't thinking, oh, there'll be another one along anytime soon. It's like, is that really the Flair and Sting match you want to put on there? You know, bearing in mind the three star TV it, match ending in a really lame roll up. Mm. With Sherry it's, all, it's, cause it's also like the DVD, you've got like the, you know, the, the I Quit match with Funk and two of the um, Steamboat trilogy on. And it's like, you've, it's like you have that those matches and then you put that Flair versus Sting match on there. I mean, especially at the time, we had no idea something like the network was coming up. We, we would have thought they would have put the Clash One match on there. Yeah, I mean that one came along. I think it was on a future one, wasn't it? Possibly. Was they put? Was they put the whole? Yeah, I think yes. It was on the next Flair DVD actually. Then you had the Rumble '92 match in its entirety, which everybody yeah. loves and rightly so. But everybody's already everybody owns that. Which Sign in the crowd. So I say again. Which version of the commentary was it? It was the original commentary, not the one they redid a month later to mm. also sweeten the sound. I think we all know that story. 
There's a sign in the crowd. Let's see your flares, Ric Flair. August 1993, everybody. <laughs> uh, there's, here, we've got a classic coming up now. Not your boy, Evad. <sighs> he wants to be a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Though, I'm disappointed that both of us, we haven't mentioned the fact that Jesse is rocking a lovely Jimi Hendrix top. Bloody right and all. Yeah. You wouldn't get that sort of look on anyone in the Fed, would you? It just turns up wearing fuck it, I'm gonna wear a Jimi Hendrix t shirt. Yeah, you just you ain't gonna tell Jesse otherwise, are you? I don't know. I mean, uh, a year earlier, Marty Chinetti did his return on Shawn Michaels wearing a Guns N' Roses t shirt, if I remember right. Yes, yes. Well, well remembered. I'm seeing Dick Togo rustle every week in, an, in the same Iron Maiden t shirt right now, every week <laughs> on more. I mean, of course, you got the headbangers, but that was part of the gimmick. I did appreciate, I said so at the time. I think it was Thrasher wearing a Napalm Death t-shirt when they came to Birmingham for one night only. <laughs> yes. I did like that. Rick Rude, everybody. Discuss. Awful on commentary. Yeah. God, brutal. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Not his calling. Doing this pre-match stuff. How ahead of time was that? I mean, no one used to do this stuff. It's only Rick. Now every fucking indie wrestler does it, and some of them do it so badly. Yeah. Um, it was. It's a great sort of thing to just get the crowd to fucking hate you. Sort of. Uh, one of them seeing once, um, some guy decided he was going to cut a promo. And between each of the announcements, I turned the microphone off. So he grabbed the microphone off me and I went tap, tap, and no sound came out. It's just the look in his eyes when he had to give it back to me so I could turn it on for him. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's just killed your heat. And then he cut the promo and it's like, well, um, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> See, there's something. Who would have thought all these years later that... Dustin would still be going. I, I remember thinking that Gold Dust was done in 2000. It was a case of, you know, he's, you know, it's a product of the 90s. They'll never bring that back. And then they did for the short spell where he did, like, where he worked with Booker and the NWO. And they did the electricity thing. And it's like, okay, well, that was a fun rehash. But, you know, once he's, but, you know, he's gone now and, He'll probably never be back, and they keep bringing him back. And it's actually, and he's, he's... it was three weeks before WrestleMania. He wrestled Cena for God's sake on Raw. Yeah, <laughs> it's that thing with him. It's just like when when you think he had seven, which was a fucking awful thing in WCW. You know. Oh Jesus. Hey, little boy, my name's Seven. Yeah. <laughs> he came back from that. I don't know. I think yeah. 10 years later, a gimmick like that would have worked really well. Just because with... Uh, for it would, it would be like the most detested heel in wrestling. Just because 
that's the way society went. Yeah. I mean, now everyone's too sensitive, so it wouldn't work. But yeah, maybe ten years ago, well, five years ago, it might actually have been a really decent gimmick. Really weird switcheroo here. Everybody thinks Hawk is going to be the partner, but it's actually going to be Animal instead. No, wrong way around. Animal Hawk. You can tell I hate the Legion of Doom, don't you? Earlier there's, today, so, there's so much coke in that bring. I was watching Hawk doing his drunk gimmick. Yes, gimmick on Raw from August 98 earlier today. Has so, he has he tried to top himself yet? That's coming. You, you keep asking about that. That's coming next month, I think. Oh, so what do you want me doing it? <laughs> You're going to be doing that one. I, have to, I had to talk. I had to listen to him today saying that he was joining us for some coloured dysentery. Okay. So <laughs> fair's fair. Oh, I, was, I just remember watching that brawl for all match, looking in his eyes, and I was like, "Well, he's stoned out of his brain." But then again, took it's not like he even at that point he would have needed the money. So th there's no other explanation why he would have taken that gig, that brawl for all gig. You know, it's just like, well, it's okay, it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> he didn't do him any favors, though, did he? Um, at least, at least for that match. I mean, so it's, it's one of those of cocaine will make you do some weird shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he still was with it enough to realise that Rocco the Dummy was a bad idea. Ah, <laughs> uh, 1992. He actually intentionally missed the plane back from London at, at when uh, SummerSlam 92, apparently. Spent the whole weekend out in London. Did the boy Hegstrand. Hmm. With, with Hell's Angels. Apparently so. That's the story, Chris, yeah. Hell's Angels doing piles and piles of blow. I don't know. Was the, in 92, was the Groucho Club really a thing at that point? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but... You can see Hawk turning up there. Alongside celebrities in 92, like... Oh, God, who would it have been? 92. Noel Edmonds, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Blobby. He was a regular the crowd show. Yeah, Blobby was around at this point, wasn't he? Zig and Zag. <laughs> Were they 92? The bit earlier for that? 90, they might have been around at this time, 93. We are just four months away from Mr. Blobby being the Christmas number one single here in the UK. <laughs> oh. Not the worst Christmas number one we've ever had. And I remember hating that as a kid. We all know Mr. Blobby is the best. <laughs> Well, have you seen um, one of the big quizzes that Channel 4 did was the big quiz of the 90s, and they had Jack Whitehall on there, who was terrified of Mr. Blobby. So right at the end, that Mr. Blobby comes out. He walks past all the contestants, and you just see Jack Whitehall shivering, and Blobby just stops, turns, and leaps on him. And, he, and I've never seen the man move so fast. <laughs> Good old Blobby. I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a Mr. Blobby gimmick in the indies, actually. Oh, books and probably had a little bit too I doubt he wouldn't have had Blobby as well. Come on, look at the things they've done in Shikara and stuff like that. <laughs> Mr. Blobby's comparatively tame. <laughs> so I was going to say, round, round these parts at this sort of time, we had the... Uh, fake American wrestling. So, you know, Ricky Knight pretending to be the fucking LOD. 
Oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, least said about him, the better. Speaking of which, Dave Sullivan. <laughs> what, an utter, what an atrocious worker he was, my word. Yeah, there was a... You look at WCW this time, there's so many guys that are so good, and then there are so, so many shit guys. So, of course, in two years' time, he gets to go on a date with Kimberly Page. Because why wouldn't he? It really is a case of who you know. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're on TV, that sort of helps you. Uh, it sort of puts you in higher esteem. Nice work if you can get it. Mm. Luke Rude, a very trusting man for um, uh, to Well, no, there's not going to be an electric chair drop, so he can go down relatively safely, safely when Dustin hits the clothesline. You say what you will about nepotism. The crowd were into Dustin as a fiery baby face. Yeah, he, he, he played this role well, regardless of who gave it to him. Now, he, he was in. He was in and on. He was. I've, I've always rated Dustin as a worker. A good, good worker. It's just the trouble is you, you need something to stand out, and that's what Goldust was. I mean, unfortunately, that's what um, oh, Black Rain was as well, but we all want to forget that shit. Big sell on the clothesline. Well, well, the top, the top black green is all all the drugs. That's that's Dustin at his lowest point. I think it was I think it was well over three hundred pounds when they brought him in as black rain as well. Only TNA would do that at that point. I mean, God, yeah, they, they, they were them's were rough years. But the thing with TNA is, every year you could go, "Oh, that's a rough year." Even like when they were doing um, like Joe Daniels and uh, Styles, there was still. I think we're doing BKM around that time, and it's like, yeah, them's were rough years. Got some of the greatest indie, you know, wrestlers in the world, but still, them's are rough years. There is indeed a pattern emerging, as Chris Lacey will discover when he becomes our TNA uh, correspondent in just four years' time. <laughs> <laughs> it will all be on the network, easy to find. I still believe that, by the way. <laughs> well, the fact of the amount of stuff that's getting shown there at the minute, because they keep using. TNA footage in stuff because obviously there's stuff on the Hardys using the TNA footage. Yeah. And it's GFW this they're quoting, which is obviously the boy Jeff's video library. Could we see that that was half the reason he got his uh, Hall of Fame ring? <laughs> just, well, uh, just so they can get the uh, the video library. Well, that video in the library would only be for about uh, a year or so, wouldn't it? No, because um, part of the deal that GFW had was they had the live streaming for all TNA. So they have oh. all the back catalogue of the TNA stuff. Because Anthem only has anything from the Anthem years. They can still hmm. show it because they've, because they've got Twitch and A, which basically shows everything because they've just got the videos on. But yeah, if uh, Jarrett owns a lot of the of the original library, so oh, couldn't we get through one show without mentioning Jeff fucking Jarrett? <laughs> oh, God, no, clearly. Oh. they just uh, all the talents that you don't want mentioned on a show. Jarrett's not even. In the top ten, you know, there's so many worse talents than Jarrett. 
That's so the, the whole point. He's, this. he's the very definition of there. He believes there means it. It really doesn't, Jarrett. I'll be talking about him again on Sunday. Everybody tune in for that one. He's just one that was like 10, 15 years too late because he'd been a brilliant territory main eventer. But yeah. Oh, he'd have been more. Same character as he was in the late 90s. He'd been multiple-time NWA champion in the mid-80s, no doubt about it. But a complete man out of time. Mm. Sullivan Do trying to throw some punches in. Talking about stuff that should be on the network, where... Hawk with a push. ...is OVW and FCW. Because... You know, don't the, think they stuff, do they? That that would be Danny they, Davis who owned them. They, in theory, they would own the stuff with the uh, the years of prototype and no. I get, I get, I get They had a working relationship with them. They were they, a different company. One or two of those matches, though, are on hidden gems. If you know where to look for them, i.e. the hidden gem section. But yeah, I'd quite like to see sort of some of that old school stuff and see, you know, the roots of Orton and see if he really was that boring all the time. <laughs> Orton's getting quite close to our timeline now. He's just quite close three years away. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, he made his debut as a pure white meat baby face in WWF in the summer of 02. So that's four years. Three and... Three and 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> I lose all track of time doing this. I thought 1994 was 2014 yesterday. <laughs> it was quite funny. We all do it. It's just getting into character, man. We're living the time machine. Uh, Some schmo is actually doing the waving at Jesse behind his head thing. Go on, somebody tell him he's doing it. <laughs> just Jesse punch him in the face. What's this? Uh, we've got an advert for something here. What's this? Approximate retail value of $22,000. It's Win, the car that. It's the car Adam that Animal just got out of. Yeah. <laughs> Adam well, did the total. To fit those shoulder pads in. Phone number no longer active. Really? A phone number from 25 years ago doesn't work. Phone calls are void, in five, phone calls are void in five states. I don't think that means that those states aren't actually on the telephone, but you never know. <laughs> it depends. WCW was shown in a lot of southern states. I think Virginia was one of them. Said so name, address, phone, and date of birth. Entries must be received by October the 4th, 1993. <laughs> Odds of winning depend on the number of entries. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that one. <laughs> Damn, I'm not going to win me a Camaro. Planning on doing the old Dale Boy thing of sending in your sending in your entry the day before the closing date so it goes to the top of the pile. That never works, by the way. I don't know. I know someone who once sent theirs in quite late and it was like a CBBC thing and they could see theirs just sitting on the top of the pile. It's Ooh. like, come on, come on. <laughs> so near and yet so far. I do believe we've reached our main event of the evening. There is David Boy. Fresh from a bit more cooking. Wrestling uh, the king of sports. That guy's cap uh, reads. He took the time to put king in inverted commas as well, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> just, in case, just in case his friends are watching. <laughs> Surely it's the sport of kings. Surely that makes grammatical sense. Or 
wrestling the king of sports? As in, I'm wrestling the king of sports? No, mate. In that that shape, you're lying down. There's not going to be no wrestling for me. Boom, you're done. Oh dear. Whose idea is it to do watch-alongs and pay so much attention to the crowd? There you go. I'm being hoisted by my own petard here. Come on, Vader. Save us, mate. See, this sort of going back into show mode, watching last month's Fed pro- fucking pay-per-view, and seeing the shell of a man that Vader is in '98, and seeing him here, yep, in full fucking pomp, is is quite upsetting to see what what we see when he goes to the Fed. I said at the time there were flashes, but Vince, I said it again, he just wasn't Vince's guy. Hmm. Have anyone noticed how you know certain wrestlers will always lose certain matches? Here we have Davy Boy Smith on what is essentially a televised pay per view for a major title, and the only the only other one he's done it, the only other time he's appeared on one of these for a single title, when he defended the IC title against uh, Shawn Michaels at the Saturday Night main event and lost that one as well. I hope I'm not spoiling the results for anyone, but no, Davy Boy Smith never won the WCW title. But yeah, it's it's just one of those matches that. Davey Boy was never going to win challenging for a single title uh, on one of these sort of events. Davey was always believable enough that you could plug him into main events if you needed him. Yet you just could not see him with a world title belt. Though it is surprising that even now we still have not had an English world champion. You're not counting Nick Aldis? He is tearing it up as NWA champion. That would mean that the NWA meant anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I think Nick Aldis counts. What was the last one? How far back do you want to go? Billy Robinson? Yeah, Nick Aldis did hold um, the TNA title when it was still TNA. Did he? I'd I, say I didn't really watch enough of it to know that he's had it in there, but I suppose that would count as you know someone having it in a proper company. Yeah, because they yeah, actually he, have TV. Yeah, he because he was. Yeah, it would be whenever AJ left TNA because they had the big unification match because AJ had left with the title and Nick had won the vacant title and so they had the ladder match where uh, Nick won due to because all the baby faces were banished from the arena and they had all the king's horses and all the king's men and um, basically if they'd have put a broom in Nicholas's place he would have won. The, the broom would have won the title because there was that much interference. But I'm not knocking Aldis in that instance. I'm just knocking the ridiculousness of the TNA booking because they made him such a non-factor in, in that title reign. TNA booking, eh? Who'd have thought it? And Chris, let's not get greedy. You know, your gal is the SmackDown on-screen commissioner. Well, you know, we've had, yeah, I suppose we've had an English women's champion, haven't we? And local. And surprisingly enough, they can actually say Norwich properly. <laughs> Norwiching. It always amused me when Paul Burchill and Katie Lee would be announced from Chelsea, England. That always amused me particularly. <laughs> it's one of those things, you sort of listen to Burchill talk and it's like, yeah, anyone who's ever been to England knows no one like Chelsea speaks from that. <laughs> Ironically, with the exception of the supporters of the football team. 
<laughs> now, that, now there's a discussion for another day. Not been lasting any more than about three seconds. <laughs> on the topic of hometown, of course, David Boy regularly announces both from Leeds and Manchester. Always raises and Birmingham as well. I've, I've actually there was one show that he was said that he was from Birmingham. I was like, he's never been from there. In Sean's book, he says that Bulldogs from Birmingham. See, sometimes Leeds was said as well. Manchester and Leeds. He was actually born in Wigan. And he's selling the knee quite nicely here. They actually brought outside the ring to start, which I really appreciate. And Vader's mask is off already. See, Chris, it just proves your point here. In almost every big match in WCW, you just believe that Vader meant business, didn't you? I mean, just look yeah. at him. Look at that punch. Look at that. Yeah. That's what we didn't get to see enough of. Just him battering the shit out of someone in a corner. I said, I'd much rather watch it than take it. Uh, I still don't think Vince realises what he could have had with this fella. He, he is one of those of, of of big sort of failures in the Fed. I mean, he has to be up there as one of the biggest. Yeah, especially at the time, they really needed someone like Vader when they brought him in. It was, you know, the, Michaels was... He wasn't drawing on his own. He needed someone like Vader, and they just refused to really go with him. Yeah, that really should have been a program between them. Uh, I know we got that much at SummerSlam. We should have had a proper program between them. But then I think it was more the case of Shorten didn't like it. He was a little bit too snug for his liking, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. They had a match on a house show a couple of weeks beforehand where Sean said, you know, if you don't stop pulling your punches, I'll send your fat ass back to Colorado. Ever the professional Mr. Michaels in 1996. Yeah. Oh, but I think, yeah, they really killed off Vader when they, just in that Yokozuna feud where they made him back down from Yokozuna. It's a case of, you're, you're not seeing how this works, are you? Why is Vader being booked as a coward? I know that's how heels were booked in WWF then. Look at that. And a tremendous feat of strength there by, by David Boy, whatever you might think about him. Whatever might be assisting him to get Vader up for a Samoan drop is always impressive. I don't know what you're on about. There's no needles going in his ass at all. Oh, except for the one filled with milk. <laughs> Calcium. Good for the body. Well, I won't go into that on this podcast. But... I think that's yeah. very sensible, don't you? Yeah. Oh, that one not the core rose off him. They just let Vader kick people's ass. God, it's just so simple. This stuff isn't rocket science. And for all we rightly slag off WCW's booking through almost any period of their existence, they got Vader right. Hmm. Although you could say the two times he lost the world title were slightly nondescript. And they lost to Ron Simmons' power slam. Huh. Who has a power slam as a finisher these days? And, of course, the Starcade 93 finish where Flair, well, rather weak 90-degree roll-up thing. Yeah. And WCW never liked people winning matches with their finishes. And just, yeah. Well, it, it's with roll-ups You know, your finish won't do it every time. I like that. And also like people see people winning matches occasionally with their secondary big move. If it's cradles and roll-ups all the time, then 
I think mm. finishes mean a bit less, to be honest with you. You know what? One thing, one of the decent things that came out of the Triple H reign of doom, or at least the start of it, was he did have a credible second finisher when he started using the main event sleeper. It was like no one's doing it for him. It's one of those things you sort of don't think about. It's like, well, sleep is just a normal move. And then it's like, oh, no, he actually can finish a match. I like the sleeper when it was used in the Iron Man match at Judgment Day after he'd belted Rock with a chair and then the sleeper was a, made him easy prey for another fall. Yeah. Maybe he really is the cerebral assassin after all, the master of psychology, the reason we're all still here. <laughs> See, you say that in that modern sort of day and age, it has got to the point of... Top rope splash from Vader there. Carry on, mate. Do finishes or finishing moves mean anything when you have in no. just a Johnny average bloody TV match people kicking out of finishers? Oh, sure. I agree. Well, absolutely. This is one of my major issues with Kurt Angle because he's one of the people who, who sort of instigated this. It's like I remember people kicking out the Angle Slam and people like, and the commentator's been like, oh, look how tough they are. They kicked out the angle slam. It's like, no, he never fucking pins anyone with that on the first attempt. It's the least credible finisher because he allowed everyone to kick out of it. And people are like, oh, yeah, angle's brilliant. No, they, that's one of the big contentions I have with him. I mean, he's a fantastic talent, but he is so flawed because he's been told that he is the greatest, that there is that all he, that he's never thought to work on his flaws because he's told he doesn't need to. I mean, fan, could, I think that's a very fair comment. Which is a shame because he could be the greatest of all time if it wasn't for the for these glaring flaws in, in a lot of his work. We should start watching out for that closely when Angle joins our timeline in just over a year's time. Hmm. Should say the crowd were into a near fall here where Davey went after Vader missed a sit-down splash. They believed it, if nothing, if nobody else did. That's the Dayton crowd for you, of course. They're still just waiting for Bash at the Beach 96 to start, really, so they're entertaining themselves while they can. <laughs> I should say, another, another, another faux pas from our friends at Close Captioning, but WCW World Tit is on the line here. Because, of course. Now also talking about our, the big, oh. big pay-per-view match they had at Slamboree. Ah. There you go for his crucifix. Uh, they got it close enough on that one. Oh, believable enough near fall. Yeah. But after Davey actually pinned him with that in the tag match at the pay per view before this. Yeah. I, like, I, I appreciate callbacks like that. I think, it's, yeah, that is, that's just one of those things that if, you, if you're following it, people really sort of. Sort of hook onto. Like I've said it's on like, the show once or twice, reward me for paying attention. Well, it's like um, there's like this super indie tournament uh, from years ago where Daniel Bryan, uh, or American Dragon as he was at the time, yes, um, he used a small package in all to finish all his matches where everyone else was doing like this super indie death driver or whatever. And he was just using a small package just so when he got to the final, the guy he faced would kick out the small package and it got the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, that's that's. He's a master, that boy. He really is. Well, it's the thing is, oh, I can't remember who the guy is, but it was the guy that invented the burning hammer, the whole sort of set on the shoulder drop thing, and he used that finishing move eight times. Every time he hit it, the match was won. 
and now you, you know, it's just in Japan, and now you see guys just fucking doing it willy nilly and kicking out of it. And you're like, you can't take a move that's been given such a high sort of thing and just make it a transition move. So if you think back in the day, DDTs were a finish of a match. Now it's a nothing transition move. People were calling to see it within two seconds of the bell ringing. Now, if you hit a DDT within two seconds of the bell ringing, nobody would care. Uh, um, Phil Powers is a wrestler who I don't agree with a lot of things he says, but one of the things that irks him the most that I do definitely agree with is just how people use DDTs as a throwaway move. And you sort of, half the time, the guy taking it doesn't even sell it. And like, in kayfabe, DDT should be one of the most painful moves there is. A big guy is driving you down to the mat on your freaking head with no protection. Mm. I don't care who you are, yeah. that should bloody hurt. Though, at the same point, I'm part of the problem on that, because if you watch NXT and the stuff I like so much, especially the, the, the tag match uh, for the titles, you had brain busters and all sorts just sort of being used and not finishing the match. Like That should be a finish. Davey Boy just kicked out of the Vader bomb as if to prove our point there. <laughs> and, and everybody listening to this, they think, they're thinking we're just throwing our discussions together. That tied in almost perfectly. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, Vader did delay the cover, but details, details. So, yeah, you know, I suppose the modern wrestling fan is a victim of its own thing because I do quite love watching an NXT match where you have false finishes and things like that. But it only seems to be used at the pay-per-views. It's not every week on the TV. Whereas Raw and SmackDown and every indie show that you go to, it's every match. Easy pop. And there's the end of the match here, which wasn't a finisher fest, I'm pleased to say. Davey Boy got a visual pin out of that one. So, like I said earlier, he was... They were taking him seriously at this point. They'd never seriously enough to win the title, but... Big pay-per-view match at Slambury gets a visual pin over Vader here. Only needs a needs interference to be defeated. And so, well, they did do some shows in the UK in '93. Yes. So, because this, because at this point they're still on ITV. Well, Sting won the title in London, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. But obviously, the TV deal went away at the end of '93. So, who is this, Who's this fellow? Who's this? Who's this? It's, it, it's a certain fellow that turns up in ECW and tells us not to go hardcore. Who's this guy? Clearly a fan of Love Shack by the B-52s. <laughs> this unkempt fellow, he might be one to watch. He looks a bit different. And that's the end of the show. Ah, timings, timings, timings. At least you've got to see Cactus Jack, who that was if you hadn't worked it out. Oh, we don't even get credits on this one. Okay. Somebody gave the go-home sign. Oh, they've got to just go away and laugh at Shockmaster until the end of the night, I suppose. Yeah, there we, there we go then, gentlemen, as I press pause this time so we don't start watching Clash of the Champions 25, which is next on the, on the network. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that show? So there was good stuff on there, but I think... I, I mean, the main event may stick with me because it was just the last, it was the last bit I watched, but I think there's only one bit where we're probably going to be talking about now. Anything else, Chris, before we have one more chat about you know what we're going to chat about? 
definitely watch this show for Bobby Eaton versus Scorpio. It's a good TV match. Uh, Steamer and Orton is another a good TV match. The main event's a good TV match. You know, it's a good TV match. In fact, there's only one match that really stood out to me as one to avoid. Um... In fact, it doesn't last very long. But obviously, but obviously, the reason you watch this show is for the Shockmaster. And it's you. How can I put this? How can I put this politely? I don't think I can, so I'm just going to say it. It is one of the most top ten things in pro wrestling that you need to watch almost right off the bat. No. All of WrestleMania 3, title change at WrestleMania 6, I don't know, bring it up to date slightly, Brian winning at WrestleMania 30, and the fucking Shockmaster. <laughs> because it is the ultimate in what we now know as Wrestle Crap. Almost anything, you know, if it wasn't for him falling over, would we even have things like Botchamania? I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Well, he still had the gobbledygooker. Um... Again, no, it's not even a blockchain the same way, is it? That was just a stupid idea. Now, if, if dear old Hector Guerrero couldn't fi- couldn't have found his way out of the egg, then we might have had a bit of a precursor for it. Yeah, he did get to dance the hornpipe, whatever it was, with Mean Gene in the ring. So yeah, the Gobbledygook, Chris, but the Gobbledygook was just a bad idea, a very very bad idea, a bad idea nonetheless. The Shockmaster was just <laughs> incompetence from everybody involved. Right down to, as you said, the hapless stagehand who stuck another two by four down by the floor before they went up live. Still, you've got to laugh, haven't you? It's definitely one of those of, as I said, you 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 turn up to watch the the good in ring action. You stay to watch the fun. We are still talking about Fred Ottman, twenty five years after it happened. Five years after we first discussed it on these shows. And as long as people are watching wrestling, they will watch Uncle Fred fall over. Definitely the touchstone of what I thought was actually a very fun watch of a clash with no real disasters. There were some bad matches on here, but they were kept largely short. The crowd, pretty much into it. Got a big title change to start. And a 10-minute world title match, which was never going to end in a switch, but had just about enough drama to it to make it interesting with somebody who, A, deserved a push against somebody who was the master at this point. Just quickly, Chris, because you've obviously watched a lot of WCW. Any quick Clash of the Champions recommendations for anybody who might want to dip into them on the network? Because um, all of them are really fast watches. You can be done with them in 90, 100 minutes. Obviously, the the, the best one is Clash 1. Uh, that has an amazing tag match uh, with the... Midnight Express and the Fantastics, and an amazing match between Sting and Flair. Um, pretty much a lot of the early stuff, as I said, because they're only fairly short. They're all really decent watches. Um, you normally find at least three or four really good matches on there. Anything that has the Midnight's on, anything with Great Mooter on, you know, these are all things that are well worth your time. Um, but yeah, I can't think of numbers off the top of my head, but yeah, 
they're, they're one of those, especially the first few years of it. As I said, they were pretty much better than the pay-per-views at that period. I think it's one of my personal favourites. I think it's Clash 7, one which took place in an army base in like about 150 degree heat. Ah, yes. Which has an award-winning Steamboat Terry Funk match where they where, where we see Steamboat showing a bit of edge. And the famous line from JR, leave our microphone alone, leave our microphone alone will you? The crowd for that one are jacked. Uh, you can tell that it's knocking off time on, on, on the barracks, then they add so much to that show. You get Luger turning heel on that one. The and classic... I think the Ding Dongs are on that as well. Yes, that is where your boys, the Ding Dongs. Because um, I remember them being in the armory and just going, really, you did that here? This is where you debut them. Okay, I'm beginning to actually add a few things to our wrestle crap list now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Shockmaster does have some competition after all. On the topic of clashes, just quickly before we wrap up, there are very few really bad ones. Only one that really sticks into my head, which I would not recommend watching at all, is the one which took place at Caesar's Palace in, Caesar's Palace in January 1995. I've got two words for you. Reviving Elbow. Oh, is that one? Oh, <laughs> God. Hogan, no selling Savage's finish. <laughs> the freaking part. It brings me back to life, brother. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And just just to cap it, you then completely know sells Vader's powerbomb at the end. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like just something you see on like a Shikara show or something. You know, you've got some guy who gets revived by taking someone's finish. It's, it's not something you'd expect from one of the major promotions in the world. <laughs> uh, Hogan does that would just be Yeah, that if anyone else had done that. That would be the last you ever saw of them on TV. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, 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 again, we've just been talking about finishes for the last 10 minutes, and there we have one which unfinishes somebody. Oh, God. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I won't put you that one through, put you through that one again, Chris, as I think you were actually on that show back in timeline. Yeah. Well, I seem to recall you were somewhat less than complimentary about it. So go back <laughs> into the archives, everybody, to January 1995 WCW to hear Chris's views on that one. But I think that pretty much wraps up our watch along. One of our three specials for the month. Christopher Lacey, talk to us about things you've got going on. So, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, here with ECW every month. Um, and obviously, the ECW special, this, as you will have seen in your feeds, of a show and tell crossover where we have done the ECW extreme music album um which as i said at the time on there and with the fed special if you do like that style of show please give us a shout we will make more of them and if you like you know the idea of me talking about music and having guests talk about music people like rory and eric you can listen to show and tell the tunes because it's good for you free music every week Every weekend, little 10 track playlist for you to get you through that weekend, which can be found on all good podcast platforms by looking for show and tell tunes. And Adam, if you are still blocked by Hulk Hogan after our kind words about him today, I cannot see why that should still be the case, though. 
Oh, yeah. So, yes, uh, like I say every time, I'm the only 20 YRS Twitter account that is both blocked by Hulk Hogan and followed by Jim Cornette. Um, that's EA underscore J. Um, I tweet um, of some really obscure stuff. I think I've just done one knocking change.org. Um, if that and if you want me to expand on any of those tweets, I've started doing these occasional um, soliloquies on uh, the Mind Fart podcast. The one that's coming up, I think, next week, I have a rather interesting... It was supposed to be about Tommy Robinson, but ended up getting hijacked by uh, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, Mark Zuckerberg. So, yes, that <laughs> that, that drops, I think... Um, this this coming Sunday as we're recording this. Um, and if you want to see me live, uh, I'm a hack stand-up comedian who's so well-prepared. I've not got any bookings in September, but 4th of October, I'm at the Cliffs Pavilion um, in the bar downstairs. Um, you can look up about that and all my other dates at facebook.com forward slash el.j.comedy. Go see him, everybody. It'll be easy to find in the pavilion. Yeah, so we are indeed the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, the only podcast, I think it's safe to say, that will name check both Billy Robinson and Tommy Robinson in the same recording. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, this was indeed one of the three specials for the month, which will be on Patreon very, very shortly after I send the link to Chris. If you join us on patreon.com forward slash wrestling20yrs and you drop us $5 a month or equivalent, you will receive at least one more of these every single month. In addition to our standard in-timeline in timeline programming, which will always remain completely free, we're going to give subscribers a little bit extra. A watch-along like this, an extra awards program, uh, focusing on a particular wrestler, particular themes. Can be anything. We might even put them out there on the public vote one day. Patreon.com forward slash Wrestling20YRS. And of course, you get the standard shows early when they're ready to roll. And most importantly, you keep us doing this for the next 20 years. So Chris can do NXT Brooklyn 3. He's already looking forward to it. So thank you, everybody, for all the support you've given us over the last five years. Here's to many, many more. And just basically keep it locked. Watch out on the Twitter and the Facebooks for any new specials. August shows will be with you all very, very shortly. Always going to give you WCW, WWF, and ECW every single month. In addition to these new ones, but after five years with many more to come, in the spirit of Mr. Bob Bamba, until next time, goodbye.